Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Speaking Real Estate Podcast. Today with us, we have founding promoter of Platinum Corp Group, Mr. Vishal Ratangharia. How have you been Vishal Bhai? Hi Krish, uh, I've been good, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for inviting me for this chat, really looking forward to it. It's a pleasure to have you here and give us your time. And how has the market been for your company? Chris, the market has been uh, good for everyone, I think. And uh, everyone is uh, doing a lot of work. Uh, Post-COVID, uh, fortunately, the markets have uh, become more consumer-driven. People are uh, investing and spending more money. So as a result, I think overall, you know, there is a lot of churning of uh, money and uh, which is opening up a lot of opportunities, not only just real estate, but a lot of sectors. So Vishal, normally we start off by knowing the education journey, the career journey of our guest. So we would like to know your education journey. So Krish, uh, I'm an architect by qualification. I did my architecture from Kamla Raheja Vidyanidhi Institute at Juhu. Okay. And uh, since then, uh, I've been working in the real estate space. I passed out in 2002. So it's been uh, 22 years since I've been uh, working as a real estate professional. Why did you pursue architecture? So it's a very interesting uh, story. I had a friend in school whose father was an architect and uh, he had a beautiful house. So I think when I was in the fifth grade, uh, I used to go to his house and I saw his house and uh, I was amazed. I was fascinated. And uh, I said to myself that, look, if you become an architect, you can also have a good house like this. So I think the joy of uh, having and living in a good house fascinated me uh, since the grade fifth. And uh, I decided back then that I want to be an architect. Of course, I didn't know much about the profession then. But yes, uh, it was long back. So you pursued architecture. And uh, I know that you are a first generation uh, entrepreneur and you started up your own company. How did the shift from pursuing architecture to become a dev becoming a developer happen? So my parents were doctors. They always wanted uh, me to become a professional. Uh, I'm glad they didn't force me into medicine. But uh, yeah, uh, I had the opportunity to choose my own path. I pursued architecture as I told you that I was fascinated by it. Krish, uh, moment I passed out. Uh, so I met my wife Nishta in the architecture college. And uh, by the time we completed the course, we decided to get married. And uh, since we were getting married, uh, I had to start earning. I didn't want to be dependent on my parents. And uh, that's when I realized that, you know, being just being an architect uh, may not be able to, you know, make me independent very quickly. I had to look at the business side of this field. And uh, that's how I started exploring, you know, uh, ways and means of getting onto the business side rather than a consulting professional uh, person. And uh, I decided to, uh, you know, start working with a real estate developer because we didn't have a family background. Uh, and uh, fortunately for me, I got one of the best opportunities uh, that could have been possible. Uh, I started my career with uh, Mr. Nayan Shah of Mayfair Housing. Uh, he gave me this wonderful opportunity of uh, working very closely with him. 
and uh, that sort of you know uh, give a very strong foundation and a good exposure to this business understood so you were working with uh, mefa group for a yes. period of time after yes. that how did you laid the foundation stepping stone for formation of the platinum corp group or maybe how did you acquire your first project what made you took that uh, big step so uh again at mefair housing i met uh, my partner gurminder singh we were both colleagues at uh, mefair housing and uh, as we went along and uh, sort of you know we grew together we decided to work together and uh, after mefair housing in fact uh, we did a couple of uh, things together before we actually got down to start platinum corp platinum corp interestingly was a uh, architecture and interior design company which was actually founded by my wife nishta and uh, since we were getting into the business we wanted a good name and uh, nishta suggested why not take this name forward so we all decided that you know we will take platinum corp as a brand forward and uh, that is how the name came and that is how you know we came under this uh, umbrella of platinum corp the first project that we did was uh, like a joint venture with someone who had a land wanted to sell that land we advised that person not to sell the land give it to us said we'll let us make a real estate project on it uh but and when we completed it you know back in 2010 11 uh we finally managed to you know earn for that person uh around four times of what he would have otherwise made by just selling of the land so we had our first happy joint venture partner customer stakeholder and uh, thereafter then we decided that look this time we've got lucky we've got an open piece of land in the city of mumbai may not be so we need to if we really want to take this business ahead we need to focus on redevelopment and uh, then we started looking out for redevelopment opportunities again typically the first society to give us work was difficult it took us time to convince them you know to trust us with their homes and their lot but uh, once we managed to do that uh, i think then since then there has been no looking back we also in between managed to complete few stuck projects that would have been you know the easy way for us to expand we thought and uh, when we took up these stuck projects uh, we had more than 200 uh, society members who were left in a lurch homeless by uh, someone uh, we got in we started paying them rents and we took up their projects and uh, in the span of about 4 years we managed to turn around those projects and managed to complete them uh, one after the other so that actually gave us that uh, you know required push and the volume so to say uh, initially and uh, banking on that success and on the basis of that credibility that we got uh, then i think a lot of societies a lot of uh, projects uh, started following a very great achievement would be that the 200 people got back to their home one question i would like to ask you made money out of those projects very frankly no we didn't make uh, any money actually out of those projects uh, we kind of knew it at the back of our heart 
uh, we knew that we were doing this for two reasons one is you know to earn a lot of blessings from people second is to you know give us that kind of a volume which would help us you know learn more than earn uh, so i think that that was a phase of life uh, it did the job that it was supposed to do and uh, yeah things another about- thing that i've noticed uh, in a case uh, where a developer took a stalled project in a area and that project was stalled for 5 years and that developer uh, completed that project and uh, that developer established such a good goodwill in that area he automatically got 3 to 4 more redevelopment projects within a span of 1 to 2 years yes that does happen uh, but also we are now also getting a lot of other stuck projects also because mumbai is uh, you know full of a lot stalled of projects. Stuck, uh, stalled projects unfortunately we do get approached by a lot of stalled projects and uh, we try to help them out uh, as much as we can even if you are not able to take up those projects Uh, we try to advise them and at least guide them as to what should be their next steps moving on uh, since you have been focusing on redevelopment in the initial years of your uh, company's growth how would you select a project what key factors you would look at before considering that this would be a good project for the company we are uh, primarily o- operating in the western suburbs so obviously we are keenly looking out for projects in this belt the area where we are operating in within western suburbs the current focus is between andheri to bandra and uh, we keep evaluating uh, potential uh, redevelopment projects based on several factors you know location uh the size of the plot uh, the immediate surroundings uh, sometimes it happens that we might just know a few people living on that plot so through references so there are a number of factors which uh, go into selecting which project we do would you uh, say in a situation where let's say the location might not be in a favor but uh, you building a architectural or out of the state building in that area would change the whole surrounding and your building would be considered as a landmark so does location play a part or it could be a situation see location is of course very important but a slightly weaker location can be uh considered if the size and the shape of the plot is right wherein we can actually make a building as you said you know which could become a landmark in that uh, area we've done couple of such projects and uh, yeah we are open to looking at such project but the other yeah, then we would rather do it on a little larger size of land than you know do it try to do it on a smaller piece platinum core focuses on which main micro markets and western suburbs uh, we've got projects uh, in uh, andheri now within andheri we've got them in varsova dn nagar uh, lalubai park area then we've got something uh, coming up on uh, in vileparle at irla on sv road then we've got two ongoing projects at khar we've got one uh, upcoming project in bandra we've got a very large uh, upcoming project at malad so these are the regions where we are sort of focused in these areas what kind of behavior do you observe in your target audience so the behavior uh, in see we 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 dealing with two kinds of people under redevelopment one is the members of the society which are uh, already living there and of course the potential buyers so i feel that the behavior in terms of uh, 
you know being a resident member of a society more or less remains same across all geographies all locations uh, but the customer uh, preferences change drastically i feel customer from bandra is looking at uh, certain features or certain reasons for buying in that particular building whereas a customer out of uh, andheri or malad is looking at some other aspects of the project uh, so we are the the buyer's behavior uh, does change but i feel uh, which is very natural because you know people are living in various regions of mumbai uh, for a reason and uh, because you you see you, will, you would have observed that pricing more or less is sort of flattening out there used to be a time 15 20 years ago when the there used to be a huge gap between the prices in the north northern suburbs of mumbai and the western suburbs or western suburbs and the south uh, island city of mumbai but now that pricing gap is more or less reducing because people more or less know where they want to live and they are willing to pay a good price if they find a good building in that uh, neighborhood or that location so one needs to be careful as you rightly asked me that when if you are building in a particular location uh, your offering needs to change from location to location so uh, platinum corp group is doing projects in bandra which we would say would be luxury living and your group has also done affordable housing in the past years as well so what would be your take on having uh, done up affordable projects in the past years to now focusing on luxury projects what changes you had to overgo what things you noticed between the behavior of a customer from a affordable buyer and a person looking after a luxury house you right we started doing uh, affordable homes uh, in dn nagar andheri west the reason why they were affordable was because of the ticket size normally you would imagine that an affordable housing project would be in the outskirts of a city we managed to do it in the heart of the city uh, in a location which is like literally 5 minutes away from juhu uh, and we managed to do it primarily on account of our uh, planning capabilities we managed to do apartments which were you know very optimally planned very less wastage and that is how we could reduce the carpet areas and that is how we could reduce the ticket size and that is what actually made them affordable it was affordable only in terms of the ticket size and the absolute value of the flat but in terms of specifications even back then it was premium we've used uh, uh, all the premium materials they're all air conditioned apartments we've used home automation we've used the best quality of you know uh, fittings fixtures elevators car parking systems so they were affordable uh, only in terms of the ticket size otherwise as a feel it, it gave a very premium feel post covid what has happened is that the carpet area requirement of an average consumer of an average property buyer has gone up and uh, it's our duty to respond to those demands and uh, so now we have also started doing larger carpet areas 
the ethos of the company was always to make premium quality homes my uh, th there was a shift in our mindset when you know you sit down and uh, actually make the plans and we had certain standards like washrooms would be in our uh, smaller apartments the washrooms would be 6 feet by 4 feet the bedrooms the bigger bedroom would be 10 by 12 and the smaller one would be you know 10 by 9 the living room would not be more than 10 by 18 now when you're doing larger carpet areas uh, you have to rewrite your own standards uh, when you're doing the planning and uh, we've done that we have an in-house architecture team which you know does all this for us and uh, obviously then we also we have started using the services of uh, noted architects uh, from mumbai and internationally also uh, so overall uh, yeah we've managed to do that shift uh, gradually and our uh, educational background in architecture and planning has also helped us a lot uh thing that I would like you to add uh, that how was your customer's behavior in buying an affordable house? Is it difficult to deal with a customer buying an affordable house or is it difficult to handle a customer buying a luxury house? I think uh, for us when we were doing these uh, so-called affordable homes uh, at uh, DN Nagar, we found it extremely easy to deal with those customers. Okay. Because there was uh, what we observed was there was a very inherent joy in the eyes of the customer when they were buying properties with us uh, purely because in that ticket size the only other option for them was to look at the northern suburbs of mumbai we've had people who were otherwise looking to buy a home in mira road but could manage to buy a house in andheri west at the same uh, value the same price which was, uh, you know, unimaginable for a city like Mumbai. Normally, the as you grow and you your area space requirement changes and when you buy a new property in Mumbai, people have usually historically been moving northwards. Probably for the first time, we could manage to help people move back southwards uh, and into locations which were otherwise very, very premium. So... We saw a large volume in sales. We saw that we, we had a lot of happy customers. Uh, we saw that people were extremely proud of themselves. And they were also proud and they made us also proud about our brand. People really loved getting associated with our brand. Uh, purely because of this factor, I feel. And uh, when you're dealing with a customer who's buying a premium or ultra premium segment, house a he or she has a lot of choice whereas you know for us when we were doing smaller carpet areas there was no competition there was no choice so premium customers have a lot of choice they also have a lot of requirements they have their own set mindset so it does dif become little uh, more difficult and you need to be more careful while uh, dealing with them but I think once you understood a customer's mindset, at the core of things, uh, customer is a customer. Customer is always the right. And if you work with that philosophy, I think you you can have a lot of uh, happy customers. The group has, has went a shift from affordable to luxury housing. Would you see again a shift again? Maybe the company ventures into affordable housing again? 
so yeah uh as i said it is uh, a developer's uh, business to respond to the trends of the market we've been seeing a trend uh, where the area requirements are increasing uh, so we are providing for it in future and i'm quite sure it will happen in the next 5 or 10 years that probably there would be a shift back to smaller and compact apartments the only reason could be that prices going higher from here once again they when the regular apartments or the larger apartments really become unaffordable there would be a shift in the consumer buying pattern and uh, as a result we will also have to shift uh, and uh, sort of you know improve our strategies of uh, building and selling homes sir one thing that is uh, would be contradictory would be that yeah obviously bombay's pricing of the homes is always on a upscaling scale but uh, uh, since the past 2 uh, 3 years uh, because of the 50% premium scheme that had came there has been a lot of supply in the whole of bombay do you see because of that reason the prices might go down in some particular areas so i think the projects which took approval under the discounted premium schemes are all ongoing right now and uh, as per my understanding most of them are actually nearing completion or would get completed in the next 12 to 18 months and thereafter what you will see uh, in terms of new launches and new deliveries would be those projects which would have actually taken approval post the discounted uh, period which by paying the full premiums so i don't see prices going down for sure in fact we are seeing a slight uh, support in terms of pricing and the prices have already risen by about 5 to 10% depending on the location and uh, as we progress from here uh, into the next year i feel that prices might even uh, get more firm purely not because the developers are wanting to earn more money it is just because a lot of input costs including premiums have uh, gone up drastically so the prices are going to increase uh, cost of construction could be a major reason as well cost of construction has uh, increased drastically since covid uh, i'm sure you also know that uh, for a lot of materials construction costs have gone up as high as 40 50% so this has definitely translated uh, into about 15 to 20% increase in the cost of construction overall post gst obviously there is a tax factor also which is uh, which is increasing the cost uh, as developers we don't get any input tax credit so that cost is a pure burden on us and ultimately on the customer so your cost of premiums has gone up cost of construction has gone up uh, expectations of uh, land owners and societies have gone up because everywhere people think that you know prices are going up markets are doing well covid tha to markets were down but ab bhav bad rahe hai sales acche hai so why should we take anything lower than you know before so they are also increasing their expectations and developers in this rush of you know taking more and more projects are ending up you know giving them uh, or at least committing to them what they are demanding so all this will actually 
uh, you know, put pressure on the prices. And uh, I feel that they will eventually go up. I'll shift to another topic. So, the Platinum Corp group was started as a two-man army. And eventually now it has grown to a 200-people army. What my question is, what personality traits you would see in an employee to hire him? So most of our uh, hiring has happened through referrals. It is uh, either we've appointed people whom we have known personally because we've been in the field for a number of years. Or it has been through people who are already working with us and their referrals. So we actually, to be honest with you, we don't uh, stress a lot on experience. We don't really look out for talent which has worked with other developers. What we actually look at is how sincere the person is, how uh, well-educated the person is, how honest the person is, uh, and uh, how much willingness is there to learn. Uh, because uh, every company, every organization has their own way of running their business and doing things. So I personally feel that, you know, we have our own unique way of running the business and we want to work with people who get, you know, uh, who gel very well with this way of working. So, uh, and I usually try to, you know, interview most of the people. The final round happens either with me or Gurminder or our wives. And uh, so that is how people are brought uh, on board. Platinum Corp uh, is doing redevelopment and is also doing BMC, SRA and MADA. So what's your take on handling projects in three different segments? So we started out uh, redevelopment by doing MADA redevelopment projects. And uh, so there is a natural acceptance for our brand uh, when it comes to MADA redevelopment with societies and members. Off late, we are also doing a lot of SRA projects or projects under the DCR of 3311, which are where the approvals come from SRA, but they could be on regular societies or ownership plots. We've done a few regular pure play TDR or 337B projects, which are under the BMC. But what we've found is uh, on account of the high cost of premiums and uh, the lower FSI, uh, most of these projects are not viable. So one needs to really, you know, increase the size of the cake so as, you know, it can get distributed properly and everyone can be happy. So that's the reason why we are doing a lot of 3311 projects. 3311 is SRA? 3311 is, uh, uh, is a scheme where you go to SRA for approvals, but it can be implemented on a private land. Okay. So we can do redevelopment projects under 3311. Uh, by going to SRA for some extra FSI. Okay, got it. What would be what would be your personal preference to SRA, MADA and BMC? So there is no personal preference as such. Uh, I think every project uh, has its own challenges and uh, we are uh, well equipped to take up projects under any scheme. It all depends on what do the residents of on that piece of land or the landowner wants. What is their expectation in terms of their future area? What is the kind of building that they want? 
so it's a vision which uh, everyone needs to evolve through discussions uh what is it that they are looking out from redevelopment like some societies are very clear that we want maximum additional area we are okay if the density increases and likewise there are societies which say that look we don't want to increase the density beyond a particular level we are happy with uh, lesser benefits but we want to stick to a lower density uh, redevelopment project so it all depends from project to project we can rank these three different uh, segments bmc sra and uh, mada according to profitability timelines difficulty no like i said see as a developer and you also know this we, there is uh when we take up a project invest our monies into it uh, approach banks and financial institutions for financing that project there is a bare minimum margin of profit that we are uh, wanting to earn i would feel that irrespective of the uh, scheme uh, under which we are developing the project a developer is uh, pretty much making the same kind of margin the all the additional benefits that come out of various schemes are actually getting passed on to the societies because they are the people who actually decide which scheme you can go for and if they are allowing you to go for a scheme which get lets you consume higher fsi they obviously want a higher share so i our developer margins are pretty much the same across uh, the schemes platinum corp group has a huge in-house team of uh, all the departments what would be your take on having an in-house team doing the particular task versus giving that task to an outsourced team so we have uh, always felt uh, very comfortable and at ease uh, by having a in-house team and i think a very big reason krish for that is we are ourselves uh, real estate professionals we have got uh, educational background in the field we have ourselves worked with other developer uh, as part of their team so we understand that you know when work happens in house it is more efficient it is more uh, balanced we have the flexibility of you know uh sort of prioritizing various activities uh, based on the requirement of a particular project we have the flexibility of uh running some activity in house at our you know as per our availability of time whereas when you're working with outside uh, outsourced consultants a lot of time good consultants are obviously busy uh, with their other clients so you really don't get uh, you know work done the way you want it or at your pace and the kind of volume that we are doing and the kind of work that we are doing the nature of business especially redevelopment requires a lot of uh, iterations a lot of interactions with you know various stakeholders so we always found that you know having this talent and this strength in house uh puts us in a very comfortable uh and a relaxed position you know when you are doing such uh, large projects you have your in construction team also and i was managing all the purchases requisition inventory yes so construction is uh, usually the construction management is uh, in house construction is usually 
uh, outsource to professional contractors. The way we work is we outsource uh, the RCC structure to a professional contractor. And then the finishing items are done uh, in a combination of uh, in-house in and uh, outsourced. We A lot of materials and finishing items are purchased by us and given to the contractors. They do the implementation and uh, so it's it's a teamwork which happens uh, when it comes to finishing. Uh, that is, that way we can, you know, control the quality, the specifications. Uh, we have the sort of choice to change or upgrade the specifications at any given point of time. So, in the last past recent years, the concept of lock and key uh, projects uh, has came out where a developer gives out the lock and key contract to a contractor where thereafter from the excavation till doing the finishing and handing over the keys back to the developer is the whole idea. Would you ever think about handing over a lock and key project to any contractor? So I have personally never done that and I'm not a very big fan of giving out lock and key contracts primarily for the same reason that when you've given it to a lock and key contractor, then there is very little intervention that you can have in terms of selecting the materials or even controlling quality at a lot of times. Your team is also sort of, you know, relaxed and they don't uh, get down to the details. Vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, you know, when we are buying the materials of ourselves, uh, we know where we are procuring the best materials from the best sources. Uh, so, yeah, I am not in uh, favor of actually giving out lock and key contracts. There's a person who wants to become a developer and is uh, coming out uh, through the way of redevelopment, which is comparatively less capital intensive. What could be his uh, initial sources of funds for him? So, of course, it depends on the size and the nature of project, but presuming it's a redevelopment project and it's a, it's not very large, let's say it's in the range of 800 to 1000 square meters project, which is the size for a typical redevelopment project in Mumbai. Uh, the prospective developer would require 15 to 20% of the total cost uh, as a part of his or her investment. I think the balance, uh, the further 50-60% can be financed through any financial institution and uh, some good financial institutions uh, do provide money as working capital against mortgaging the development rights. You don't necessarily need to have uh, a collateral. But of course, it will also depend on who the person is, who are they financing, what is the institution, how are, where is their money coming from and all of that. And in today's market, I think you can safely rely on about 25 to 30% of your project costs coming out from sales. There are instances where people have relied more on collection from sales. And I think that's where people have sort of, you know, made a mistake. Uh, because even though you are able to sell well in this market, it still takes time for you to realize, you know, those monies from the customers because they in turn are financing it through mortgage finance. So I don't think you should rely on more than 25 to 30% uh, uh, from coming from sales.
but yeah if you really are don't have a lot of capital of your own then you better have backing of a good financial institution would it be difficult for any person doing the project for the first time i would say yes the first one or two projects uh, could be difficult but they are not impossible got it what would be your take uh, on a person how should a person lead a team as you have grown from two people to 200 people in the span of 10 years which would be a huge achievement so i think the only way any person can lead is by example you have to know the job that first yourself before you expect it out of anyone else and again once again i would say that our background has helped us a lot in that so if i am hiring someone for a particular job it's important for me to understand uh, what does that job or job profile require that person to do so that you know my expectations from that person also are accordingly uh, tuned in correctly it's important for any leader to understand the strength and the weakness of uh, his or her team member and i think it is also very important for any leader to imbibe leadership skills in the team member so that in future the team member or the colleague can also aspire to become a leader which is in turn great because if someone else is in a, in your position and uh, managing things which otherwise you were managing earlier that will make you a greater leader and free up a lot of your time for doing greater things how much important is crm customer relationship management is the key in this business because uh, first of all i think everyone around us is a customer even my contractor is customer so to say because somebody wants to really find out about a developer the best way is to find out through his contractors or vendors and when they speak well about you it means that you know you're doing things in the right way so i feel customer relationship management happens across the board while we do have a department which is called crm and uh, presumably their job is to send emails and make phone calls and collect money but i think there is a lot more of relationship management that uh, they also in turn do with customers and i've observed that a lot of times customers rely on the advices given by these crm professionals more than you know us when they talk to us uh, they they know that you know you're talking to the developer he may or may not be telling the truth all the time but uh, a, a crm professional who's in touch with the customer develops a rapport develops a relationship and uh, gets more relied upon uh we are we have our own crm team but at the same time uh we have imbibed this culture of you know 100% customer satisfaction and we imbibe this culture right from the site supervisor to the head of any department and including us because uh, ultimately the business is all about your customers so just to answer your question once again in a 
line is uh, CRM is uh, very very important. What would be your uh, few things that you would have learned from the mistakes you made in your journey? Few mistakes that we made, and uh, I'll be honest about them, is that we've we've done projects on the basis of emotions, uh, and that's where we actually didn't make money. Uh, maybe it was required for us to do it at that point of time, but uh, in future I would be uh, I would think twice before doing that. Uh, I think the second mistake uh, we've made is uh, we have uh, looked around a lot and based our actions on what is happening in the surroundings, uh, which I think uh, I would do it differently now. And uh, it's not important to like really know what's going on around you all the time and you basing your actions or your strategies on your surroundings. I think there is, uh, for a city like Mumbai and a country like India, uh, every person can have his or her own way of uh, doing business. And uh, that's how we would like to do in future. So, we shouldn't rely on emotions and we shouldn't... You should have your own uh, direction set for yourself. We shouldn't just look out at the surrounding and make our decisions. Yeah. What would be your advice to the younger generation who might be entering this industry? As one big drawback is that nobody can just start and become a developer because of how huge capital intensive the industry is. But maybe the working professionals who wish to work in this industry. See, I must tell you, we've started ourselves with uh, a very limited capital. So I don't think that uh, you cannot really start a real estate venture. Uh, you need a lot of capital. I don't think that is true. Of course, if you're buying a land parcel in Mumbai, you do require a lot of uh, capital. But for redevelopment, uh, I think if someone is really inclined and hardworking uh, and uh, let's say a society really believes in that person, so he or she can definitely get started with a limited capital. Thankfully, in India now, there are a lot of uh, financing avenues available. Real Post-RERA real estate is being looked at as, a, as any other industry. The standards of uh, developments has improved. There is a lot of transparency. So with a support from any financial institution, I think uh, one can uh, do the real estate business uh, with uh, a relatively lesser capital as compared to uh, before. But having said that, I must say that it is a very, very uh, intense and a very, very stressful industry because uh, it's not easy to, you know, get someone to give up his or her home to you without taking any major amount of money up front vacating the plot, giving to you for redevelopment, then you going and getting all the permissions, arranging for the monies, either through your own uh, investments or bank financing, uh, you know, managing the local environment, putting up construction, selling, uh, completing the project, taking OC, handing over, ha keeping the customers happy, and then making sure that that building, you know, is, you know, serving for what it was built, for the next 30, 40, 50 years. So it's, it's uh, I would say it's one of the most difficult 
industries and uh, the only thing i would say is someone for someone like you uh you should only enter the business if you are really passionate about it don't do it for sure if you think you can make money uh, it may be many years before you actually start seeing the color of money in this business uh definitely don't do it just because you have a real estate background or a family in real estate do it because uh, you really are passionate about dealing with people to begin with do it because if you are passionate about uh, design about construction about uh, sales customer relations do it only if you think you have a passion for uh, all of this uh otherwise uh, it's it can get stressful yeah so that's all for today's episode and it was lovely having you over here and sharing your insights it gives me more knowledge and helps me understand the business in a better way and i hope the ones watching there are able to extract more and gain more knowledge and learn from you as well thank you krish thank you for having me it was lovely talking to you i hope we see, we wish to have you again soon surely thank you